Welcome, and thanks for listening to this message from City Bridge Community Church. Our heart at City Bridge is to call all people to be fully devoted followers of Christ. To learn more about City Bridge and how you can take your next faithful step with Jesus, check us out online at citybridgechurch.org. Now, here's the message. Something magical happened this week 20 years ago, and um, outside of 9-11, my wife and I got married four days after 9-11, and um, it was crazy. It was, if you remember back then, it was just crazy in general. And I remember all week long for those next four days, we were trying to figure out how are we going to pull this off? We had people coming in from all over the country. And um, as I was on a walk this morning, I started thinking about the last 20 years and a game my wife and I play. It's more a game my wife plays with me. And I'll tell you about that game in just a minute. But as I was on a walk, I was thinking about every room in our house. And the fact is, if my conclusion's right, I have not contributed, I have not bought one piece of home decor or house over the last 20 years. Literally everything in that house, she has bought. And so here's the game. And I'm hoping somebody else plays this game in this, in this room. My wife, um, when she gets something new for our house in the home decor, um, she'll parade me into that room and she will say, hey, do you know what's new in here? My blood pressure starts to spike a little bit. And um, because look, nobody wants to be another clueless guy, right? We've got enough of those. And I will look around and I will, this happens, this is not an exaggeration. I will go, is it that? And she will go, that's been here for two years. It's been here for two years. And it's just a fun game we play in our house. (laughs) Where I'm usually on the receiving end of all that. And I start with that because we can just miss obvious things. I mean, literally right in front of us. None of us are exempt from that. Something that should be so clear, so out of the normal in your room of your life that you just can't see something right in front of your face. There's like a really cool word for that. It's called inattentive blindness. Or there's another word for it, selective attention. If you have boys, you're like, okay, that makes sense. (laughs) And we just miss things that are right in front of us. And people have done studies on this. If you've ever seen the video, it's like, it's on YouTube. You can go Google selective inattentive blindness. And this video will pop up where it just says, it has one directive, count how many passes people make with white shirts on. And in the middle of this video, a person in a gorilla suit walks right through the scene. And when they get to the end of the deal, they ask, okay, well, how many passes did you see? Um, Did you see the gorilla? And people will go, what are you talking about? They completely miss the gorilla that's right in front of them. I start with both of those stories this morning about inattentive blindness because we can do that with Jesus. People do it all throughout the scriptures with Jesus and we are no different. And so this morning, we're gonna open our Bibles to John chapter five, open to John chapter five and really The reason why we want to see Jesus right in the ordinary is because he is the life giver. And if we've got our vision and our focus on something else, we're just not walking in the abundant life Jesus wants us to walk into. We're walking in something else. So here's the first thing we focus on. 
Um, we're gonna start in verse, uh, chapter five, verse two. We can just get so focused on our circumstances. And I know probably no one in here is gonna argue with that point on me, but let me unpack why that matters for us. Look at what it says. Now they're in Jerusalem by the sheep gate, a pool in Aramaic called Bethesda, which has five roof colonnades. In these lay a multitude of invalids, blind, lame, and paralyzed. One man who was there had been an invalid for 38 years. Just think about how long that is. When Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he had already been there a long time, he said, do you wanna be healed? Most of your translations say, do you wanna get well? The sick man answered him, sir, I have no one to put me in the pool when the water is stirred. And while I'm going, another steps before me. So let me just make a couple observations about that. I mean, I love this passage. I remember hearing this passage for the first time in young life and being like, yes, Jesus heals people. Let me make a couple observations about that healing. Number one, Jesus really didn't ask him a complicated question. He basically asked him a question, do you wanna be healed? Do you wanna get well? And there's kind of three options for that. Yes, no, and maybe. And look at how he responds. He doesn't, he doesn't respond like that. Look at his answer. I have no one. Another steps down in front of me. What's that called? That's good old-fashioned deflection right there. It's a good dose of deflection, and we all do it. We all do it. It's just easier to blame others. It's easier to blame circumstances on the real question. Do you want to get well? We've asked that question over the last 14, 15 years. I've been on staff here at Watermark we have asked that question over and over and over and over to people that are just stuck. Their wheels are spinning in their marriage, in their personal life. Like, are you tired of being tired? Do you wanna get well? And the thing that marks people that get well around here are, are usually not people that are placing the blame on other things. That at the end of the day, they just say, yes. I wanna get well, what, what do I need to do? People who do not get well around here say, yes, tell me what I need to do. Okay, I'm not gonna do that, but I'm gonna do this. And they start negotiating with you on what wellness looks like and the path to wellness. Arguing, negotiating, managing, all that. And I, what, here's the greatest observation of all this. Jesus just doesn't play the game. Jesus will not play your game around negotiating with him. Think about that. He is not gonna play the game. He just says, get up. And 38 years changes like that. So what is he looking for? What has he been focused on? He is, this paralyzed guy has been focused on his circumstances. He's been focused on his circumstances. So what did he miss in all that? This is where it gets a little crazy. What did he miss because he was so focused on his circumstances? Well, he missed the giver of the gift. I mean, at the end of the day, the gift was more of a focus for him than the giver. Let's pick it up here in verse 13. 
It just says, now the man who had been healed did not know who it was, for Jesus had withdrawn. As there was a crowd in the place, afterward, Jesus found him in the temple and said to him, see, you are well, sin no more, that nothing worse may happen to you. This guy completely misses the giver. And I think we can make excuses for that. Well, Jesus withdrew in the crowd. But at the end of the day, every one of us here reading this should go, something's off here. After 38 years of being on a mat, some guy comes over here and heals you and tells you to stand up and you have no clue what his name is. There's like just a red flag that should go up with us. To him, like this guy's just a means to healing. It's just a means to the end of what he ultimately wants. What circumstance does he ultimately want changed? And Jesus is just the path to get there versus the end of the path. And that should just be a word of warning for all of us. And last in here is just the observation about this. He's not seeking Jesus. Like I, I, I kept reading that phrase, Jesus found him, Jesus found him. Jesus found him. I'm like, those are three sweet words. So the guy that got exactly what he wanted to change his circumstances doesn't know Jesus' name, and he wasn't even seeking Jesus. Jesus found him, and it was on Jesus' terms, not his terms. But look what he says. Look what Jesus tells him here. See, you are well. Sin no more that nothing worse may happen to you. How does that sit with you? I I, I kept going, that feels very callous for Jesus to say. If I'm just honest, this guy has been there for four decades. Four decades. And he just got what he wants and he's now he's rebuking him. Sin no more, or something worse may happen. I, some of you may have seen the headline this week about a French soccer player, or football player, sorry. Um, French football player. And he underwent an ACL surgery in the 80s and has literally spent the last four decades in a coma until this week when he just passed away. And I kept putting Jesus in that circumstance because it just felt so similar. Like, okay, Jesus is the, the physician, the internal medicine guy that actually brings this guy, this French soccer player out of a coma and he opens his eyes and he's alive, like really alive, out of a coma for the first time in four decades. That's older than a lot of us in here. And it's like, hey, I'm your um, internal medicine, Jesus. Hey, don't sin or something worse is gonna happen to you. And you're just like, oh my gosh. Jesus just, he doesn't pull any punches here. And what seems like could be callous to us, Jesus just wants to kick down anything and the ultimate thing that is in the way of you having ultimate life. And he's essentially looking at this guy going, look, You may not be paralyzed right now, but there's a stronger paralysis in your life called sin. 
And you really need to get healed from that. And guess what? I'm right here. I'm right here. And so, like, when we want to soften Jesus, what we're really doing, we're just cheapening life that God wants to lead us to through the person of Jesus. Don't miss the ultimate thing because you are so focused on the thing right in front of you. Circumstances. Jesus cares about the ultimate thing. Um, there was a time this week where I just got, I called it just getting drawn off sides. And it was one of those nights we were trying in our marriage to ask, encourage, incentivize our kids to do dishes. And we have kids who are like, no, I'm only gonna unload, but I won't love, you know, all that. And, um, and it was one of those nights where we just hadn't had that conversation. And I, I was looking at the sink going, has each one of my kids used six glasses today? It was just one of those where something's off in here. And I gotta just tell you, I got so focused on my circumstances there. And I was not well. And in the moment, God in his grace just reminded me, he got me refocused on him as I was just scrubbing out dishes. And I'm telling you, everything changed. Life was ushered into that moment. Even with dishpan hands, life was ushered in that moment. And Jesus, it's not about the paralytic guy. It's about, are your, is your focus, is your vision, are you staring at your circumstances or are you staring at a person and his name is Jesus? And he wants to pick a fight with anything in your life that is in the way of ultimate life. Second thing, Jesus is gonna bring in a counterbalance to the paralyzed guy that are equally dysfunctional, that unfortunately I can equally find myself in. And the words Jews here, that's really Jewish leadership. But the second thing Jesus um, says that we can just focus on is we can focus on moral policing. We can focus on moral policing. Said another way, we can just get so focused on people's shortcomings that we just miss focusing on the ultimate thing. It's fun to ask yourself, okay, what do they want? What did the paralytic guy want? He wanted circumstances. What did, what did the leadership want? At the end of the day, what they want are rule followers. They want to make Jesus into a rule follower. Okay, so we're gonna start in verse eight here and I want you to pay attention to the phrase, take up your bed, take up your bed. It's gonna show up, I think, five different times here and it's, the, it's what Jesus is trying to draw emphasis to with this group of Jewish leaders. Jesus said to him, get up, take your bed and walk. And at once the man was healed and he took up his bed and walked. Now that day was the Sabbath. So the Jews said to the man who had been healed, it is the Sabbath and it is not lawful for you to take up your bed. But he answered them, the man who healed me, that man, right? I don't know his name, that man said to me, take up your bed and walk. And they asked him, who is the man who said to you, take up your bed and walk? Now the man who had been healed did not even know who it was for Jesus had withdrawn 
as there was a crowd in the place. A couple observations here. You can be obedient to things in God's word and be clueless about Jesus. You can just be a moralist. And being a moralist ain't gonna get you there because getting you there is a person. And he's got a name, Jesus. Second thing, Jesus picks a fight. Jesus is ready to pick a fight because these leaders have put something in front of these people that ultimately didn't lead to life and he wants to tear those things down. Jesus could have just said right here, hey, get up and walk. Bro, and that guy could have walked off into the sunset. Jesus could have walked up in the sunset. The Pharisees wouldn't even have known this had happened, the leadership. But because Jesus cares about the ultimate things, he said, pick up your mat, pick up your bed, and walk. See, what happens in this culture, in this culture 2,000 years ago, is God, in his goodness, wanted to give people a day off where they could rest. So in creation, it said God created for six days and then he rested on the seventh. So there's literally like one command, like a sentence in the scriptures that says, listen, on six days you can labor, think, go to work. And on the seventh, you rest, your servants rest, and your animals rest. And one sentence wasn't enough for the leadership here. So what did they do? They created 39 case laws, basically. They're, they're kind of funny. Like if you just wanna have funsies this week, go Google, how did they view the Sabbath? And you'll come up with some crazy stuff. But because God's too general here, we're gonna be specific for him. And so they create all these rules and laws, 39 different ones that what had happened is this day of rest had been reconfigured to a day of just burden, frankly, where you're still not working, but it's exhausting trying to check all those 39 boxes. And God wants to rip it down. That wasn't his intent. Let me just give you one example. Um, A woman could not carry a handkerchief because that means she was carrying something which was work but you could tie that handkerchief around your neck because now it's an accessory. You're good there. It's just nitpicky things like that that are like, that is exhausting. And God loves you. That's why Jesus said, look, man wasn't made for the Sabbath. Sabbath was made for man. This is a gift for my people. So you can rest and be reminded that as you rest, I work. As you rest, I work. So Jesus is picking a fight here because he hates man-made commandments at the end of the day that don't lead to life. When I was thinking about this this morning, like walking, I just kept thinking about like, what would this feel like? You know, um, and I don't want to rub, listen, if this is like what you do and you love this, I'm not talking to you right now, okay? But I just thought about, I just hear horror story after horror story of being in really bad homeowners associations where like you're always violating something and they're always, somebody like this morning just goes, I just got a citation. That, that's kind of what it feels like to be in an unhealthy homeowners association. It's like, hey, just let me own my house. 
and I'll take care of my, my stuff and just, if not, just come have a conversation with me. You know, and, and um, homeowners associations are fantastic, but, <laughs> um, and they can call, the leadership is calling all of this obedience and Jesus wants to rip it down. So what they miss here, I mean, besides the obvious, Jesus, um, they miss the maker. The maker is standing right in front of them. The lawgiver is standing right in front of them. Let's pick it up in verse 16. And this is why the Jews were persecuting Jesus because he was doing these things on the Sabbath. But Jesus answered them, my father is working now and I am working. He phrased there. This is why the Jews were seeking all the more to kill him because not only was he breaking the Sabbath, but he was even calling God his own father, making himself equal with God. Okay, so I gotta tell you, I read that, I've read that over and over. I'm like, what in the world? Where's Jesus say he's equal with God the Father? Well, it's back to what the Jews believed about the Sabbath. Because remember, God takes a rest on the seventh day. And so Jewish leadership is like, okay, well, how does that work? How does God take a day off? Well, he really can't. He's gonna kind of hold the universe together or just everything's gonna go wheels off. You know, there's still life happening here. He's gotta give life. Babies are being born. So life is still happening on day seven. Things are still starting life. And also on the other side of that, people are still dying on the Sabbath. And so um, somebody's got to be the judge there. So what we know, what, you know, if you're Jewish leadership, all we know is, um, yes, did God rest? Yes, but he still holds the universe together. He still gives life and he is still working in judging the dead. So when Jesus says this, that when his father is working until now, I am working. Do you see what he's saying there? He's saying, hey, God gets a pass on the Sabbath and because what he does, I do, I get a pass too. That's where they're like, that's blasphemy. And Jesus like, I am who I am. I am who I am. Jesus saying, as God is working on the Sabbath, if you've seen the Father, you've seen me, I am working on the Sabbath. That's why the Jews wanna kill him. Okay, so we have two groups of people, right? We have a paralytic and we have leadership that have got the wrong focus on things. One is focused on circumstances and can't get his eyes on Jesus. And one is so focused on moral policing looking at shortcomings where people just missed it. They miss Jesus. The most basic observation in the second point is just like the Jews didn't even acknowledge a miracle had happened. That's crazy. And we can get pulled in to those two. This week, um, there was a time where, and I'm talking about like a relationship that I have with a person. I didn't like their response and I just started moral policing. I started, I mean, I could not stop looking at shortcomings. And I hate that. 
And there's only one person that took my vision off of that onto something else, and it was Jesus. Okay, listen, God's gotta change my heart. And God's gotta change their heart. That's what he does. Do you wanna be healed? Do you wanna get well? Then he's gotta be the one that does it. Not guilt, shame, any of that. He's gotta be the one that does it. So what do we get focused on? Like, what do you personally get focused on? We know what they get focused on. And you know what I get focused on. What do you get focused on? Here's a great question to, to kind of maybe start untangling some of your heart on all that. What do you spend your time daydreaming about? That might be a good indicator of a circumstance that you want changed in your life. That if, at times you can become obsessed about. When this week did you get internally amped at somebody? Kind of like I did. That's, that may be a good indicator that you are moral policing somebody. And Jesus wants to tear that down because there is no life in all that. He wants us to be focused on the ultimate person. Here's why I know John 5 is written for us. It's because at the end of John, we say this every week. I've written these things so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have eternal life. John 5 isn't about the paralytic. It's not about the Pharisee. It is about you, and it is about me. And what are we gonna do with this person, Jesus, that has just said, I'm the God that gave you the Sabbath? So here's our third thing, right? We've gotta focus on Jesus and we've gotta do business with his, with his authority. We've gotta focus on Jesus and do business with his authority. Remember the three things? God holds all things together, God gives life, God judges all things. Look at what Jesus says. It's almost like Jesus like, hey, just in case I wasn't clear, let me be very explicit, just in case you missed something implicit there. Let me leave nothing open to the imagination here about who is standing in front of you, Pharisee? Who is standing in front of you, paralytic? Who is standing in front of you, Rob Berry? Look at what he says. So Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, the son can do nothing on his own accord, but only what he sees the father doing. For whatever the father does, the son does likewise. Let me just trade out father for God, because I think it helps me get there. Whatever God is doing, I am doing. Listen, that's crazy. But he didn't stop there. For the father loves the son and shows him all that he's doing. For the father raises the dead and gives them life. So also the son gives life to whom he will. I mean, if you've got the Jewish God orthodoxy checkbox, he just checked box number two there. Jesus is the one that gives life. For the father judges no one, but has given all judgment 
to the Son, that all may honor the Son just as they honor the Father. Judgment, box number three. And yeah, here's a freebie, honor. That's not even on your box checklist of three things. The Jewish name Yahweh was so sacred, so holy, so honored. You, Jews won't even, they won't even say it today. God is so unapproachable and holy and honored. And Jesus is basically saying, hey, honor me like you honor God. These guys' jaws had to be on the ground. But Jesus doesn't want anything left to question here. For these guys or for us? I always think it interesting, you know, when you're dialoguing with somebody who does not have an orthodox view of Jesus, what Jesus does not say here, when they accuse him of blasphemy and making himself equal with God, Jesus doesn't say, whoa, hold on, whoa. That's not what I'm saying. You missed what I'm talking about there. No, he like doubles down. He's like, let me just push all the, let me push all the chips in so you know I'm not bluffing here. And then he has a very tender moment with these people. If you ever went through Equip Disciple, you've probably memorized this. Or um, as we start foundations here, uh, you'll probably memorize this first. In the middle of just telling these people, I am God, here's what Jesus, like this incredibly tender moment here, he asked. And, and frankly, I think when I memorized this at 18, I didn't even know the context of where it was. But he's, he's telling this to the, to the leadership. And he just says, truly, truly, I say to you, whoever hears my voice and believes him who sent me has eternal life. I mean, it's just moments like, hey, I, I'm right here. Like, I'm right here. I'm not saying this to make you angry. I'm not saying this to make your blood pressure go up. I'm not saying this so you can go find stones. and kill. I am saying this because I am right here. And if you want life, it is right here in front of your face. So the question for both of these people is, do you want to get well? Because getting well is found in a person, not a program. You know, I think we can sometimes get sloppy with our language here. Hey, if you want your marriage to get well, go to Regen. If you want your marriage, your, you know, you want to get well, go to Regen, right? If you want to, Go to re-engage. Go to this frog. Do these tactics. Do these tips. Um, hey, remember the five lessons? And, and we can just get drawn offside there. In fact, I got drawn offside. Last time I went through re, regen, you know, at the celebration dinner, uh, this is a new slash. They, they ask you a trick question. Okay, so I'm like giving you an advanced warning. They ask you a trick question here. And here's the question. My hand went up so quick. Hey, who has gotten healthy because of regen? Couldn't put my hand up fast enough. And just very gently, he's like, hey, you got healthy because of Jesus and because of the authority he has in your life, not because of the program here. So I get drawn off sides all the time. So I think the question for all of us is, is this the Jesus you're following? Because like Jesus doesn't want you to like check the orthodoxy test. 
listen, guard your life and your doctrine closely for by it you will say not only hears but yourself. Look, who you believe Jesus is matters. But what really matters in this passage is not if you can check the, the three orthodox check boxes here. It's looking face to face with Jesus saying, am I gonna give you authority and dominion over my life? That's the question of John 5. What are you gonna do with Jesus? Or is he just a trinket? Is he just a means to have less pain in your life? Is he just a means to get your spouse back in the house? Or is he the one in your life that has authority? Is he the one that has authority? And here's something we're all guilty of. Like, we wanna negotiate with his authority. Like, I won't do that. I'll do that. Hey, that sounds like a good idea. Mm, Not right now. Hear what you're saying, but I'm gonna try to figure out what the intent is and not what you're directly saying because I'm sure you wouldn't ask me to do that. That's called negotiating with his authority and we all do it. And so I think a good litmus test in my own personal life, I had to ask myself this week and unfortunately, um, I didn't pass it, is Is there anything that you know that the Lord is calling you to do that you're unwilling to do? That's John 5. Does he have full authority over your life? Is he your commander in chief? And look, that can feel heavy. He wrote this so we would believe that he wants to lead us to eternal life. Eternal life is him. And Unfortunately, what popped in my mind is like, yes, I need to go. I need to go have this conversation with somebody that I've, I, I know I said something behind someone's back and I need to go tell them. And I'm like, oh, I'm just tired of thinking I need to go do that. It's a great litmus test of how well we're applying John chapter five. Is he your commander in chief? because I think of the reality is like we get so amped about everything going on outside these walls. I mean, like this week in my house, we've talked about public schools and we've talked about president. We've talked, I mean, we've talked about everything outside of these walls. And at the end of the day, it just doesn't matter if he doesn't have full authority over life. It doesn't matter if, He doesn't have full authority over these walls. Everyone inside these walls, it doesn't matter. And we've got to get that right. I've got to get that right. Is this the Jesus you're focusing on for healing? Do you want to get well? Do you want to be healed? It's him. It's a person. Look at what he says as we close. He just says this. You search the scriptures. Because in them, you think you have eternal life. And it is they that bear witness about me, yet you refuse to come to me. I mean, I was convicted about a couple things with that. Um, The first is, could he even make that accusation in my life last week? You searched the scriptures. I I don't know. I, I don't know that I've done that last week. And it's not a guilt trip. I just, okay, I haven't even checked the first box there. But I can do business with a book and I can do business with a book every single day 
And it's not about doing business with a book. It's never been about doing business with a book. It's been about doing business with the person of the book. We can be on read the Bible in a year, reading plans. We can be on everything, right? Fill in the blank. And we can check off our little reading plan and miss the person on the page. We are no different. We can miss the person. We can get better theology. We can get a better interpretation. We can get better blah, 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 blah. And it's like, we can still miss the person. They did. Can miss the person. We had, um, and look, read your Bible. Don't miss what I'm saying here. Read your Bible. Just read it correctly. Jesus is saying like, any page you open up to, and he's talking about the Old Testament with these guys, right? Open up any page of the Old Testament and I'm on it. And you gotta do business with that person and his authority in your life on every page because it leads to life. And we have a God that wants to lead us to life. There's a great, some of our friends, Hunter and Amanda, um, they have access to a place up in Grand Teton National Park, which is like majestic. And in that living room, uh, they have this huge window. I think we've got a picture of it up here. And um, outside of that window, you can sit in the chair and you can see the Grand Teton Mountains. It's majestic. And I just thought about that is such a great picture of how we can approach this book. I mean, how crazy would it have been if I would have gotten a ladder, gone up to that window and just been like, this glass is amazing. Dang. Um, you know, maybe argue about who delivered it and how they delivered it and what the contents of the glass are and who, who really made the glass. I know it, you know, we can get just obsessed with the window and how crazy that would be to get obsessed with the window in Grand Teton. No, the window is just a glass to see the mountain range. This right here is a tool where you can open up every single page in here and see Jesus on it. And ask yourself the question, okay, Lord, today, do I wanna believe that you are who you say you are? And if you're my creator, you know what's best for me. And if you're asking me to do something, my commander-in-chief, Lord, give me the strength to do it. And I, I just want to stop negotiating with the Lord and sit under his authority because that's where life is at. So here's the question. Do you want to get well? Do you want to get well? Getting well is found in the person of Jesus. And this week, I'm just glad as my vision got out of focus and focused on the wrong things. I'm just thankful in his kindness. He ripped it down. He picked a fight because life is there. Thanks for listening. We pray this message encourages you on your journey with Jesus. If you found this message helpful, feel free to share it with others and leave us a review. To learn about City Bridge and how you can take your next faithful step with Jesus, check us out online at citybridgechurch.org.
You can also follow us on social at CityBridgeCC. See you next time.